the Holy Spirit is an important truth, an important uh, doctrine that is being brought in the book of Galatians, as we will see even today in our passage. Um, before we look at our passage, I want to let you know about one of the fun and enjoyable things that I uh, enjoy doing, uh, usually when I'm out of Austin, um, and that is to take hikes in forests. Uh, you may say, why out of Austin? Because there's just none around here with, you know, forests of tall trees um, where you can breathe in the fresh and the crisp air of tall, majestic trees. Uh, I remember two summers ago, Anka and I were on a short trip in Pennsylvania, and there is a reason why that state is called Pennsylvania. Um, but it is filled with amazing trees and forests. And uh, on one of those uh, tree, one of those routes, I was reminded of the intricacies of, of going on, on amazing trails. When you go on trails in, in forests, um, there's a number of things you want to know about trails. First of all, you, you want to decide or identify which path, which specific trail route you're going to take because there's a, a network of trails that go on different ways and some intersect, uh, some take you back where you came, but others take you to different destinations if you're not careful. So you want to figure out where am I starting and where do I want to get. And then as you go on the trail, you want to look for the, the marks or the, the, the uh, trail uh, guideposts that lead you. Usually they are shapes with different colors. So whether you're colorblind or not, you can still follow the shape. And make sure that you stay on the right trail. And especially where there's an intersection, that you don't get off the right trail to go on a wrong trail and take you to a different, unintended uh, destination. If you find yourself on the wrong trail, uh, you've got to figure out how to get back on the right trail. In today's text, uh, we will see some truths that look like paths, trails. And, and on these trails, there are some markers. There are some uh, trail marks that make sure, that help us to make sure that we stay on the right path. Because these paths lead to very opposite uh, destinations. And this morning, as we look at uh, the passage we will consider, we will see two trails or two paths, and along the way, three trail marks. And as, even before we get into the passage, I want you to be looking for, for the paths and looking for the three trail marks. And something else, notice where these paths lead. So as we begin the passage, encourage you to look, consider these. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 14. Galatians 3, verses 6 through 14. This is God's word for us this morning. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Abraham. 
and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed, along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Would you join me in asking God to bless the preaching of his word in our hearts? Let's pray. Gracious Father, you have made amazing promises in the Old Testament, giving us clues and cues about your ways, about the path that you have laid for us. Father, this morning as we are considering the path of faith and the path of works, I pray that you would open our eyes to see the map you have laid for us, to see clearly the destination, to see clearly the, the, the cues along this path. We pray that your Holy Spirit will fill our hearts this morning, enable me to preach your word with clarity, and that you would enable us to hear your word with conviction. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. We started reading this text in the middle of a question. And uh, I wonder how many of you are thinking, this is odd. It is odd. The ESV uh, translators have uh, included verse 6 to be a part of the question that started in verse 5. And this was an interpretive decision uh, for the committee of the ESV because in the Greek language, the question mark belongs to the end of verse 5. So if you read another translation, like the New American Standard Bible, the NASB, they will uh, translate and put the question mark at the end of verse 5. Perhaps the translators of the ESV version wanted to show us that Abraham is the example for the question raised in verse 5. And I think that's probably why they chose to include verse 6 which introduces the example of Abraham as part of the question. It is so true here that um, Abraham serves as the big example for us in figuring out the contrast of living by faith or living by works. Remember the question in chapter 5? Uh, look with me to chapter 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? And the implied answer is 
By faith, of course. And then immediately verse 6 introduces us to this illustration of, of Abraham. How Abraham responded to God and how the path he took took him in a very important destination. And the, the message that we have this morning, the verses we have read today, have one primary message. And that is that the path of faith and the path of works lead to opposite destinations. The path of faith and the path of works lead to opposite destinations. So let's see where they lead. And if we find ourselves on the wrong path, we will see trail markers along these paths to help us make the right turn to make sure we're on the right path leading to the right destination. So even though this text shows us a contrast of two paths, there are three trail markers for us to consider in this text. And if you want three words that summarize these markers, they are faith, works, and Christ. Faith, works, and Christ. Let's see how these trail markers lead us and help us arrive to the right destination. The first trail marker, through faith, we receive God's blessings. Through faith, we receive God's blessings. This is what the, the first trail marker points us to. Through faith, we receive God's blessings. We see this in verses 6 through 9. The text starts by telling us that through faith, Abraham received God's blessing. Now, what was that blessing? It was justification before God, being counted by God as righteous. Look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, this quotation uh, comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, where Abraham, who at the time had been childless with no offspring of his own, received a promise from God. The promise included not only that Abraham will have an heir from his own body, but also that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. God took Abraham out in the starry night and said, look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And what did this childless man do at hearing those words? And so shall your offspring be when he can't have even one child. What did Abraham do? We read in Genesis 15, 6, and he believed the Lord. And then we read, and he, God, he, referring to God, counted it to him as righteousness. Abraham 
believed God, and that simple act of believing what God said, that act of believing was the path that led Abraham to being justified, declared righteous before God by faith. And Paul quotes this verse from Genesis 15:6 as an example of how God worked for Abraham, that God worked not based on the works of the law, but simply on the act of Abraham believing God. So that even the, the verse from Genesis 15:6 is like a trail mark that God had put in the Old Testament to show us, see, it was pointed in the Old Testament. This is the path of faith. And when we get to the New Testament, we come to hear explicitly that the offspring that God promised Abraham, that, that numerous offspring like the stars in the sky, are not those who are linked to Abraham physically, but those who respond to God with faith just as Abraham did. That's why in verse 7, Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed that God would do what he says he will do. And now... The offspring of Abraham, his family, his people, are those who respond to God with the same kind of faith that Abraham responded to back in Genesis 15. God's plan was to justify Abraham by faith, to declare him righteous by faith. But it did not stop there. God's plan to justify people did not stop with Abraham. We are told that through faith, we too receive the same blessing. And this is the emphasis of verses 6 through 9. What God did for Abraham, who lived by faith, God wants to do for us if we respond by faith to him. Look at verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. This quotation comes from Genesis 12, verse 3, another little trail marker of the Old Testament pointing us on the path of faith. In Genesis 12, 3, God declared that through Abraham all the nations will be blessed. Now, what is that blessing referring to? Does it mean and does it refer to material blessings? Wealth? Health? Not really. If we look at the context, no, that's not what it's referring to. Does it refer to the family, the large offspring? 
Actually, no, not really, not even that. The Apostle Paul identified the blessing with being declared right in the sight of God based on faith. For seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, that was the goal. That was a blessing. God said to Abraham in this cryptic promise, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So what is a blessing? It's, it's not physical stuff. It's justification by faith for Abraham's offspring, which includes all the Gentiles. The Apostle Paul identified the blessing as being declared right in the sight of God based on faith. When God started working in Abraham to justify him by faith, God intended to justify not only Abraham, but also the Gentiles. And God's blessing was never limited only to the physical nation of Israel, but that through Abraham's offspring, God would provide the blessing of declaring the, righteous, the, the Gentiles righteous when they respond through faith. So the conclusion of Paul's argument in these verses is plainly stated in verse 9. So then, the conclusion is, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. The apostle Paul see, shows us where the, the path marked by these trail marks of the Old Testament, the path marked by faith, where it leads. It leads to God's blessing. A blessing that God first gave to Abraham in justifying Abraham by faith and a path of blessing to include in Abraham's offspring anyone who is not physically an offspring of Abraham, but through faith becomes part of the family of Abraham. So that now the blessing of Abraham is passed on to all those who respond to God by faith. Our oh, friends, Abraham's example of faith helps us understand how we too should respond to God. That is, by believing Him. By believing in Him. By believing His words. By believing that He will do and He will act to accomplish all His purposes, even those that seem to us to be seemingly, humanly impossible. In a nominal Christian culture like ours, one of the ways you can really discern between true faith and a scam faith uh, is how one treats the Word of God. True faith believes that God has spoken and revealed to us His ways and trusts that God will accomplish His ways even though I cannot give a human explanation. Like Abraham, how will God accomplish a, an incredible offspring for him when he had a hard time coming up with even one child? 
Well, friends, a false faith, a gospel scam kind of faith, may believe in God's existence, but when you ask about what they think about the Bible, they care little for it, and they have a low view of it, a low view of actually believing what God says. Now, friends, you cannot believe God and distrust his word at the same time. You can't say, I believe in God, but I don't really, I don't really trust what he says. I, I, I think I need double-checking. I think I need some other reaffirmations. To believe God, to, the path of faith is a path of taking God at his word and holding on to God because of holding on to his words. Is this kind of faith, the faith that you have, a faith that takes a hold of God at his word, trusting in his ability to accomplish what he revealed? This is the kind of faith that Abraham had. This is the, the faith that put Abraham on the path of being counted righteous by God because he trusted that God will accomplish what he purposed to do. Well, friends, the path of faith, however, is not the only path available for people to take. Many of the Jewish people, the physical descendants of Abraham, chose to take another path in their journey of these trails. They came to take another path, the path of works. And this path is very different from the path of faith. And it leads to a very different destination. So path number two. Trail marker number two that shows up on the trees but leads on a different path is the trail marker of works. And the path where this leads is point number two. Through works... We remain under God's curse. Through works, we remain under God's curse. Look at verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. A third Old Testament quotation. Another evidence that God has laid throughout history to tell us this is where this path leads. The Apostle Paul quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 27 verse 28 where Moses presented to the Israelites the blessings and the curses of the covenant. Before they entered the promised land, Moses to the second generation of Israelites reminded them of God's law, reminded them of God's covenant. And at the end of the covenant, Moses lists covenant blessings and covenant curses. The blessings, if they do all that God has required of them to do. The curses, if they break any of the laws that God has required them to do. And at the end of the list of the curses, the very last curse of all, is this word, or is this a curse, 
Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. And the Apostle Paul quotes that curse from Deuteronomy 27, 28 and tells us if you want to rely and take the path of works, here is the, the trail marker along the path that God has given us and it tells us where it leads. It leads to remaining under God's curse. Now I ask you, what triggers the curse? What triggers being under the curse of God? Is it failing to abide by at least 80% of the laws? You know, that's a, what, a B minus? Is it failing to abide uh, by at least 90%? If you, if you abide by 90% but fail in the rest, hey, you can still make it. It's an A minus. Or how about 95%? Would 95% make it? How about 99%? How about we, we are able to abide and, and live up 99% of all the laws that God has written? Will that do it? The curse is triggered for everyone who does not abide 100% by all the laws written in the book of the law. Students, there's no curve grading on God's law. This means that just breaking one, just one of the commands, just once, triggers any of us to be on the path of being under the curse of God. So Paul reminds these Christians who are uh, tricked into believing the gospel scam of relying on their works for their salvation. He said, if you rely on the law to make you right with God, you must abide by everything in it. And if you don't, you break it even once, you are now under not its blessing, but under its curse. Being under the curse of God, if we don't abide by all the commandments of God, shows the gravity of breaking even one of his laws. Now, whose curse is this? It's a curse of God. Because the law that declares a curse is the law of God. The notion that man can be under the curse of God is, is not a very popular picture these days. Uh, we would rather think of God only in the, in the sentimental ways of God being exclusively the God of love. He is the God of love. He is the God of mercy. He is the God of grace. But he also is the God of wrath against those who continue to rebel against his laws. He's also the God of justice, determining with perfect justice the wrong doing and the breaking of any of his laws. His laws have teeth to it. To fail to break even just one of his laws brings us under 
his curse. So confidence in keeping the works of the law actually becomes a snare that leads us away from the blessing of God into his curse. And worse, what's worse about this news is that the curse is already upon all of us because none of us can be declared righteous in his sight by keeping the law of God. Look at what Paul says in verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. Another trail marker that God has left us on this path. In other words, if God were to try to justify people by the law, the verdict should be clear and evident. No one would pass the test. I mean, imagine if you were in a school program in a, in a study that pass or fail required 100% of correct answers, not just on one test, but on every single test of all your student life. It's pretty evident. No one can be in such a program. And God says it in his word. It's evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Why? Because God left us another reminder in the Old Testament, this time among the prophets. In the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4, the righteous shall live by faith. The test is too difficult to pass. Only one mistake and the prospect of being made right with God by our own abilities to keep the law is gone. So God provides another path, another trail, and that is by faith. From Abraham to the prophets of the Old Testament, God has been paving the way to show us that our right standing with God can only be accomplished by faith, not by works, not by our accomplishments, of God's standards. Church attendance will not gain us the right standing with God. Today in our membership meeting, Lord willing, we will uh, receive or consider to receive two members. Uh, it is a wonderful act that God calls us to belong to one another and, and join churches uh, to be committed to one another in brotherly love. But joining a church in membership does not make us stand right with God. I'm so excited to see various members grow in serving uh, one another in the life of this congregation as well as serving the needs of our community. I love the, the ladies who are thinking of ways to grow in mercy ministries outside the walls of our church. But friends, even mercy ministries and even growth in in more missions, work, and outreach in our community will not gain us a right standing before God. Giving to missions, going on missions, oh, friends, even giving ourselves to study God's word more, even that discipline will not help us gain a right standing with God. If we rely on our works, good though they may be, we can never get on the path 
that God intends for us to have. The only way to get on that path of God's blessing is by turning away from relying on our own works, on our own efforts, even on our own obedience, and trusting and turning to Christ and believing that He is able to do it. He has done it. And our walk with Him is a walk by faith, not a walk relying on our obedience or the works of the law. This summer, I spent three weeks in Chicago for the Simeon Trust Intensive, uh, Summer Intensive, and it was a wonderful time. Uh, intensive though it was. Several weeks after my return from Chicago, I received in the mail a traffic fee, a hefty fee. Apparently, I had run through a red light. And the surveillance cameras that were fixed on that intersection took the picture. I don't remember, but the fee was there. There's a picture with my license plate, the car that I drove. It wasn't even my car. I borrowed it from my brother. Um, and actually, he got the fee, and then he called me and said, hey, this happened. <laughs> now, imagine, imagine if I tried to contest it and call the, the city of Chicago and tell them, guys, I've been in your city for three weeks. I've crossed through hundreds of traffic lights in those three weeks. And, and with the exception of this one, every one of them, I did it right. I mean, seriously, you will, you will punish me for one traffic light when I, I've done so many right ones? Do you think they will buy that? Do you think I could get out of that traffic fee? Children. John, do you think so? No. Because it doesn't matter how many I did right. All it takes is one breaking, just once, of the traffic law. And the punishment is triggered. And the point is, it doesn't matter how many good works you think you are doing or how many good works you're going to try to make after you've broken it once. The right works do not cover for the breaking of even one law. And the same goes with God's laws. All it takes is the breaking of one of God's commandments for us to trigger being under the curse of God's law. So when we rely on obeying the law of God in order to justify the wrong we have done, it's like me going to the city of Chicago and says, can't you just take all the good I've done and let go of this wrong? It does not work that way. We remain under the curse of the law. Because no one is able to abide 100% and 
of all of God's laws. So Paul quoted this passage from Habakkuk 22.4 to tell us the only way for the righteous to live is not by relying on the works of the law, but by relying on faith, by faith, on God. Well, friends, in the context of Habakkuk 2, if we were to look at what's going on in that very verse, Habakkuk 2, 4, there's a contrast between the righteous who relies by faith and the proud. Now, there's a contrast here. The proud wants to do it his way. The proud thinks he can do it his way. That his accomplishment, that his good, that his plans will work. But the righteous realizes it ain't going to work. Now, Habakkuk didn't have the Texan accent. <laughs> The righteous will only do it, will only live by faith. Oh, friends, Paul makes it very clear where, where the path of works leads. If you get off the path of faith and begin following the trail marks of works, it leads to leaving you and I under the curse of God. That's where we started. It's one of those trails that brings you back where you started. That's where we all start because we all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. So don't put your confidence in your goodness, in your power to make it right with God on your terms. If you do, the warning of this text is so clear. You remain on the path of the curse. What a vastly different destination for the second path. Through works, we remain under God's curse. Is there any way out if we find ourselves on the second path? And the answer is yes. There is a third trail marker along the way, and his name is Jesus Christ. The third and final post that we see here the intersection between these trails is through Christ, God's curse is exchanged for his blessing. Through Christ, God's curse is exchanged for his blessing. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. This is why Christians are so excited about Jesus Christ all the time. This is why even our name has the name Christ in it. Christian. Because Christ is the eternal Son of God who became human so that he could become a curse for us in our place. This is why it was necessary for Jesus to die on a cross so that through his death, he would take upon himself the curse that the law of God demanded from us. And Paul brings up another Old Testament quotation, another trail marker from the Old Testament that points us on this right path. And this time it's from Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 23, 
where God says that he who's hanged on, he who's hanged is accursed of God. Thus, even in the manner of his death, Jesus fulfilled the law of God, becoming a curse and taking the curse of God for the laws that we have broken. How precious are these words about Jesus. He became a curse for us. I wonder if you can say this morning, he became a curse for me. This is why he became human. This is why he went to the cross willingly, turned himself in when the soldiers came and looked for Jesus, and Jesus said, it is I. He willingly went to the cross in order that he might become the curse that our law-breaking triggered. But it didn't stop merely at taking the curse in our place. The work of Jesus was not merely to cancel the curse of God or to, to meet or to fulfill the curse of God. He exchanged the curse for a blessing. Look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might become or might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Do you see what Christ brings us instead? The blessing of Abraham that we read about in verse 6 through 9. That blessing now become ours. Become, comes to the Gentiles so that when we turn to Christ by faith, what Abraham was promised, we're promised. What Abraham received, we receive. Oh, friends, what is a blessing? It's not material wealth and health. It's not even the family. It's actually the justification by faith, being declared righteous in the sight of God. And now through Jesus Christ, this justification has become possible for us to experience apart from the law, purely through faith in Jesus. But it doesn't stop there. There's a second part to this blessing, a second facet to this blessing. We're not just declared righteous before God by faith. Notice there's two so that in verse 14. The first so that was that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. But the second so that is that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Oh, friends, do you see here how the blessing of Abraham is not merely the legal blessing of a legal status. It is also the blessing that brings God's spirit inside of us to dwell inside us by faith. This is why the, there's two so that statements in verse 14. Those who are justified by faith also receive the spirit of God by faith. Friends, I know of no other greater exchange in this universe to exchange the curse of God for the blessing of God. 
the blessing of being declared righteous before a holy God and the blessing of experiencing the presence of God through His Spirit indwelling in us. We get both of those as an exchange for the curse. And all that is required of us is believe on God. That's a crossover. Through Christ, through faith in Jesus Christ, God's curse is exchanged for his blessing. Oh, friends, this is why we Christians are so enthusiastic about Jesus. That's why we're so enthusiastic about responding to Christ alone by faith alone. Friends, I wonder if you have ever come to a place in your journey, in life, on the paths that you have taken, on the trails that you have gotten to, if you have ever gotten to a place where, when you have understood that the path of trying to live on your own, in your own accomplishments, in your own strength and strategy, if you've come to the place of recognizing it leads to remaining under God's curse. It's only those who realize where that path leads that come to appreciate and realize the incredible treasure that Jesus is to be the crossover, to be the one who exchanges the curse for the blessing. I wonder if you have come to a place in your life where you realize this great exchange that Christ offers you by faith. And I wonder if you have taken that right turn on the right path of faith. If you have not yet done so, there's nothing for you to wait any longer but to say like Abraham did in Genesis, I believe what God just said. I may not understand it all. I may not understand how it all works out, but I believe what God is saying, and I want to trust him. Well, friends, if that is you today, I want to call on you to ask the Lord and tell him, Lord, I want to turn away from my own ways, and I want to trust you. Save me. And if that is your prayer, we would love to talk to you. Come and talk to us at the end of the service or let's meet during the week to, to learn more and make sure that you understand what, what that prayer of turning to God by faith means. And if you have turned, made that turn to faith, to the path of faith, recognize that the call to follow Jesus continues to be a call to live by faith. It is very easy like the Galatians to start on the path of faith, but then the, the path, the trail of works intersects our path and we look at the wrong trail mark and we get off the wrong trail, beginning to put confidence again in our ability, in our obedience, even in the way we fight against sin. Oh, friends, our right standing with God is only as we put our trust in Jesus. And out of that comes the desire the energy, the ability to fight sin and to obey God. But we never want to think of 
putting confidence in our right standing with God based on our effort, even if that effort is to obey God's law. Huge difference to live by faith or to live by works. All of us are on one of these paths, either the path of works or the path of faith. And recognize that these paths oftentimes intersect. So we always want to be looking carefully for these trail markers. And you know what's amazing about this passage? We've seen trail markers of how to keep us in the right path. All of them come from the Old Testament. All of them have been pointing to God's path of faith from the Old Testament. The gospel was preached in the Old Testament to Abraham in chapter 15. Oh my goodness, in chapter 12. That's why we want to read the entire Bible. We want to read the Old Testament knowing and understanding the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. It's always been by faith. But we have gotten off the wrong path. So even as Christians, we want to encourage one another to read the signs correctly the trail markers correctly that point us of the life that God calls us to have by faith, not by works. Friends, I wonder which path you're on today. If you've been on the path of faith, but you have gotten off on the path of works, come back on. Get back on the path of faith today. If you've been on the path of works uh, and you've never been on the path of faith, turn today. Know where each of these paths lead. One leads to blessing. The other leads to curse. Choose today which path you want to go on. Believe by faith, and you will be blessed by God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word that speaks to us and calls us in the journey of life to ensure that we are on a destination, on a path, leading to the blessing that you have promised to us as early as the book of Genesis. Father, we pray that we would respond to you by believing your word, by faith in what Christ has accomplished for us. And help us to be agents, help us to be travelers along the way that help others interpret the signs and read the signs correctly so that they too might be awakened by your spirit to respond to you by faith. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.